iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage our guest moderator, Matt Singer, and Bradley Resclary, and Riley Keough. Thank you. Thanks for coming, guys. Thank you guys for coming. The premiere was last night. Was anyone at the premiere? All right, good. But for the, for the rest of the folks who weren't there, didn't get a chance to see it yet, you want to maybe just explain a little bit more about the film, what it's about? Uh, the film's about uh, the two girls, Jack and, and Diane, and they, they fall in love. And uh, they just sort of realize they like each other, and it's about this, uh, those uneasy feelings of like, falling in love for the first time. What was the, uh, the origin of the project for you? Where did the idea begin? Um, I did a short film in California uh, when I was in school, and then I came to New York after that. Um, my short was about two guys, and, and I ran into two girls on the, in the East Village that looked identical to my characters. One had a skateboard and it was wearing a cowboy hat, and the other one was sort of blonde and a little dizzy looking. And I... Um, I just started talking to them, and their names were Jack and Diane. And, and then after that, I, I left, and I, I shot a film uh, with my wife in Iceland. Um, and I was trying to think of what I wanted to work on after that, but I, I thought of these girls, and so I sort of created what I thought their story could have been. So their names actually were? Yeah, they're, it's based on these two pedestrians, yeah. Real names. And did you, I mean, did you lose touch with them? Did you keep track of them? Do they yeah, know I about had, the film? I mean, this is like before email was invented. So, uh, you know, I had her, I had Diane's phone number. So we used to talk, you know, on the phone a couple times before I left for Iceland. But after that, you know, it was also before you could keep your phone number. So people's numbers would change a lot. And then that was that. And Riley, when did you get involved? How did you come aboard? Um, I met Brad in New York um, in 2010 and uh, um, I read the script and talked to him about it and uh, I came on board I think three weeks before we started filming or something. Three weeks? Four maybe? Yeah. Four weeks? Four weeks. It was more four, time than... Four yeah. weeks before starting filming. That doesn't leave much time for preparations I guess. No. <laughs> I mean enough I think. Me and Brad just talked a lot um, for a week before, and I think that, that I think it was enough. Hopefully, <laughs> we cut her. We cut her hair. Well, that was going to be yeah. That was definitely going to be a question of mine. I mean, I know from my wife what cutting a woman's hair means. It's an or can be, can be an ordeal. Yeah. So I mean, was it a big deal? Yeah. I, well, I mean, I had I hadn't cut my hair in I think like five years, and it was down to my waist, and um, I I don't know for some reason I just didn't really care. <laughs> And Brad was really adamant about her having short, dark hair, so I just did whatever. He cut it in what his was, house. <laughs> where was why, why? Why were you adamant? Was it that that was the look of those people you met on the street, or? Yeah, that could have been part of it, and and yeah, it was just like Jack needed to have short, dark hair, and it was just part of the thing. And I wanted, I was interested in the idea of of like of, of transforming somebody into that character, and so I think. Uh, because Riley's so different than Jack, it was uh, interesting. Um, like, I don't know, something, it just worked. 
your, your previous film, which hopefully people have seen, if they haven't seen it, they really should, The Exploding Girl, another film about, in that case, one female protagonist, in this case you have two. What, what draws you to, to you know, write direct films about women characters? Um, I, I don't know. It's just second time today. <laughs> second time today. I, mean, yeah. I guess it's a popular question. I suppose. I never even thought about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I. I don't know. I think if you, it's just a way of disguising myself. I think you know because you're sort of whenever you're writing something in a way, you're you're writing from your own point of view, and it's an it's just an, another way of seeing the world differently, and also a way of disguising yourself from the characters in the story. So when we're seeing Jack and Diane, are we seeing, are both of them you? Is one more you than the other? Neither? How I think does that parts, work? Yeah, parts of me and both of them, and there's probably parts of, of my wife and both of them, yeah. Parts of your wife as well. Uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> for, Riley, for you, I mean, where did the character, was there anyone that you looked to as inspiration? What was it, talking with him about his inspiration? Where did the character come from for you? Well, um, I think that that it came from talking to Brad a lot of it and what, what he wanted. <laughs> and uh, that's Brad's baby. <laughs> and, and, um, and then I think that part of the story is her brother um, kills himself and, and uh, she really looks up to her brother. And so I think a big thing was figuring out who her brother was to her. And that person I sort of based some people in my real life one being Brad and then sort of other people as well. I don't know. I mean, there are some similarities to your previous film, but it's also very, very different. And particularly, I mean, in terms of the, the scope and also the tone, whereas the uh, previous film was very sort of, almost, almost looked like a documentary in some ways. In this film, there are, there's animation, there's creature effects, there's a monster. So tell me about, first of all, why you wanted to sort of uh, expand things in that way, and then I'm sure that that presented a, some serious logistical challenges as well. Yeah, um, I, I just was, I'm not exactly sure where all these things started, but I wanted to think about a love story um, where you felt all the different feelings uh, that you might feel when you're falling in love for the first time, and a lot of that is uh, f filled with joy and giddiness, but at the same time you you have to give up so much of yourself when you fall in love and, and sort of give that to the other person. And I think then there's these small moments where you become afraid of, of, of losing what you just gave out and, and you feel vulnerable. And um, I think that fear was something I was interested in as well. And so we, there's parts of the film that, that are scary in the same way love is scary. I don't know how much we want to, you know, like I don't want to spoil anything. I don't want to give anything away. But in terms of that, that 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 monster that uh, is there a, is there a particular term for it? I don't know if it's, it's monsters fine. Monster is acceptable. Creature, monster, the, the acceptable guy. nomenclature. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the monster, uh, <laughs> how did you sort of design the creature? I mean, because he's it's very weird, interesting, horrifying thing, and I, and it, it doesn't quite look like anything we've maybe seen before. You know, it isn't. I'm asking like, what do you call it? But it's it's hard to peg it as well. This is what it is. It's a vampire. Or it's a zombie or whatever. It, it's sort of amorphous in that way. Yeah, I worked with a um, I worked with a guy named Gabe Bartolos uh, and, uh, to create the creature. We, we, we talked a lot about if you were going to transform into a monster and you were like a girl and, and this monster is, you know, eight feet tall and has giant teeth and a huge head, then 
how how what would happen as you as you were transforming there might be uh, you know it wouldn't go smoothly like there would be deformations there would be defects um, my daughter was born right after we were started editing the one that's being taken away and uh, we she had a cold and we recorded her voice she's the voice of the creature the little one ah so she's on set is she really yeah 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 and then they they um, they they made it like a modulation thing and, and they they put it through a something and our sound guy moved his mouth so that it was her like ah, <coughs> coughing and then slowed down and it's really scary oh, she sounds scary sometimes too but in general she's cute um, but Gabe and I talked a lot about diseases and things that would happen to a body when you transform so we looked at things like elephantitis um, a friend of ours here Ed just produced a film uh, with our friends the Quay brothers at the uh, the Mütter Museum. We looked at a lot of images from the Mütter Museum, uh, nubrofibromatosis and, and um, uh, syphilis, things like that. So the creature has all these different types of diseases built into it. And then June, we also had thought that the, the person's face would still be there. Like your face wouldn't, like what if it didn't go straight? Like what if your head came off to the side and the creature came out that way? So, so Gabe, Without, I guess, saying too much, Gabe got a polar bear skull, and um, and then he just got one. Yeah, he's the type of guy that can do that. Um, just had one at the ready. Yeah, he got the second largest polar bear skull captured, and 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 got a mold of it, and then um, he took a mold of Juno's face, and then got a human skull, mold of a human skull, and and took molds of Juno's teeth. So. Her face is sort of on the side of it, and then, and then the rest is a, is a polar bear. But then the, there was this clay sculpture we put on top of that. Did, you saw it. I didn't know anything about the human skull part. This, that you, was, this her is head news. is hanging off the side of it. <laughs> oh. you, Riley spent a lot of time with the creature. I was going to say, did you spend all... Yeah, how much interaction did you have with this, uh, this guy, this creature, this monster? Uh, yeah, I had a lot of interaction. Well, Brad didn't let me see him until we started filming, so that was a little bit scary. Well, I mean, in the, he's terrifying. I, I've assigned him a gender. He, she is terrifying in the film, but glimpsed in sort of very sort of quick, uh, sometimes subtle ways. So in, in the flesh, so to speak, what was, that, what was that thing like? Even more terrifying? I think in the flesh it was more terrifying than it, than it was in the film. Yeah, yeah Juno, wouldn't, Juno left. She saw it she in wouldn't. a box and she was like, bye. <laughs> she left for like, yeah. she didn't really have to be there. She, she was scared of it. Yeah. Uh, well, tell me about working with uh, Juno. And you said you didn't have much time. You know, you had a month to prepare, basically. And the movie is all about your, you know, relationship, your chemistry with her. How how did you guys go about building the relationship we see on screen? Um, well, we started. I mean, we had a, a week to do that, so <laughs> we started wow. living together for uh, when when she got to New York. And I'd only met her once previously, and she. Uh, I, we just moved in together and had a few days before we started filming and I guess got to know each other very quickly and and got along really well so I think that that made it work hopefully. So you lived together for a week that was the preparation. Yeah. Have you done that before with a, with a co-star to, as a research? No. no. <laughs> Would you recommend it to other actors as a way of uh, acquainting yourself with your co-star? I, I mean if if the person's a nice person. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Who, whose idea was that? Was that I your idea, Brad? Brad's idea. 
What was, what was, where did that idea come from? Well, I mean, I just, they didn't know each other. Um, and in the film, they become very intimate. I mean, I, it just seemed like a natural thing to do to try to get them to live together, to, to uh, be familiar with each other. I mean, if they really didn't like it, we probably could have figured something out. But, uh, but it worked. I mean, you, uh, and it was easier to pick them up in the mornings, you know. One stop. Yeah. Save some time. And if you film, that's very important. Uh, I, was, I was reading some stuff online earlier today, and you've made films with non-actors, non-professional actors, and now you work more with actors. And uh, I think you were talking in, in an interview or something about you know, why you needed actors for a project like this. And this was the quote you gave. You can't get non-actors to kiss. You can have them fake sex, but it's impossible to fake a kiss. That's what you said. I thought that was a fascinating statement, and I just wanted you to maybe expound upon that. How can... How can non-actors fake sex but not fake a kiss? It depends on what type of sex you're filming, but traditionally you don't show the full body if you're faking sex. And I think I was referring to a sex scene I did in Iceland and they were wearing sweaters because they were in a tent. So, um, and, and, um, and I'm really happy with the sex scene that, that came out of it, but it was like, that particular moment was like awkward and, um, and, and, I, and, um, and the cinematographer for this film was also a cinematographer on that film. And I remember afterwards, like it didn't work. They started laughing and I just was like, we'll just stop and do it again tomorrow. And then, you know, so and Anne and I watched the footage that, light, that night. And we realized that um, it was wonderful and it was actually really realistic that, that you might laugh if you're having sex with a friend and you're uncomfortable with realizing you're having sex with a friend that spontaneity from a non-actor was really exciting, even if you don't see it at first, to find it, you know, in the footage later. Um, but, but, yeah, kissing is, like, really an intimate thing. Um, and uh, this film always had a lot of kissing in it, so it was one of the things where I felt like I really needed actresses, and, and you guys uh, did a good job kissing. Thank you. Kudos. Thank you. Um, another thing we haven't touched upon that's definitely true of the film and your previous film as well, New York films. And here we are in New York, so it's maybe a, a good thing to talk about. Can you talk about shooting um, in New York? Was it always a... I mean, I guess you met those real... the real Jack and Diane on the streets of New York, so perhaps it was always in your mind a New York story, or maybe not. I don't know. You can, you can tell me. Yeah, it was always a New York story, and then it made sense. I mean, if... You know, you you sort of open yourself to any possibility when you're trying to get the film made, and and um, but uh, there's something about getting lost in New York City. If you, you nobody stands out, and so you sort of disappear here, and I think um, that worked really well with these two characters of falling in love with each other and just being absorbed with each other. It's almost like you can do that more here, whereas if you were in a small town, it would be everybody would know your business and. Um, I think that's part of what made sense about the setting. Uh, for the New Yorkers in the audience, if, when they're watching the movie, are there any maybe locations they should, or neighborhoods, any places that people should be looking for when they're watching the movie? Or they should probably be paying attention to the characters, but that they might recognize? Yeah, there's, um, we shot in Lower Chinatown, East uh, Lower Chinatown, and there's a sort of like budding, uh, new stores and new things going on there that, that's really interesting. Um, we primarily filmed there and in Brooklyn. 
What, what's it like making a, a, what I'm sure is a very small independent film in New York? I mean, I don't know if you guys are, are you closing down streets to get the exteriors? Or are you just standing across the street with a camera and whatever happens, happens? How does that work? Um, I think it was different. Uh, we had some times where it was like guerrilla style and then sometimes where we'd shut down streets. Um, it was both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. I keep. Uh, I was just going to reiterate the same thing she said. I mean, if it was like a safety issue, there's a scene where she get. Well, I, I, I guess you can talk a little bit about the film. There's a scene where she gets hit by a taxi, and obviously you want to shut down the street when you do something like that. That wasn't just an accident. That was. No, it was. Yeah, we, we, we yeah, we, it was safe. And then, um, you know, as much as possible, we also try to film from across the street where nobody would see. How difficult is that to do? I mean, is that the sort of thing where, you know, you have to do 100 takes to get the one good one, or is it you have to just sort of be open to every take is going to be different and unique, and we'll see what happens? With the taxi accident? Well, no, not the taxi. With when you're filming, like, across the street, guerrilla style, and you... Oh, yeah, we're trying to get every take different, I think. And, and, and then, I mean, it's also, it's like getting the... Uh, the spontaneity of the performances, but also I think the pedestrians has a lot to do with it. We would wait for certain people and try to time it, you know, like, you know the scene's gonna be 35 seconds long and that guy over there is probably gonna get there at the end of the scene, you know? Um, and then you do another one and you see like a woman with a baby carriage and you're like, that would be even better. And so you try to get her and- um, You're art directing the pedestrians, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't know it because they're really far away. You know, afterwards then you get permits for them. Uh, um, but, but the idea was to, to try to get people to collide together or, or sort of, um, I mean, there's a scene where Diane gets really upset at somebody and there's a guy in the background that's really nice because it looks like they're about to fight and he looks like he's kind of stuck in the middle and he looks a little terrified. So I, I, you know, I like that. Are you cognizant of, of those uh, you know, pedestrians when you're, when you're acting or? Uh, not, not usually, <laughs> um, unless they're directly. I mean, not really. It's kind of just like if you're walking down the street normally. Yeah. Um, you ran into somebody. I ran into somebody one time, yeah, I did. Did that make it into the film? Yeah. It yeah. Did. Yeah, it did. The, when you guys are, I can't use that language. <laughs> when you're t on the way to the swimming pool, you run into these two ladies and you're asking if she needs to go to the bathroom. And then you guys get stuck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's small. Um, you, you know, when we started talking, you, were, you mentioned how the, the, the project essentially predated, uh, you know, the internet, email, cell phones. And here we are now in 2012. Was, was there at any point where you were, you know, you were unsure about it? I mean, that's a long time to hold on to a, to a project. What kept it sort of so close to your heart and made you keep fighting for it? I guess you just start, you start having an idea. And I mean, my characters are definitely different than the girls I met on the sidewalk because I barely knew them. But, but you create somebody in your head and you feel a sort of obligation to, to these characters. Of, you want to bring them to life and you... And you you start caring for them. So. They, they wouldn't leave you alone, essentially, I guess. Yeah, it's like nobody else is going to give life to them. So, I mean, it's like it's the, it's the idea of like being committed to these characters that, that you have created and then also finding the people who are going to play them and, and then their relationship with those characters become part of the drive as well. 
Uh, I think we should maybe take some audience questions, and how does that sound? Just raise your hand and wait to ask your question until you've received the mic. Hello. Hi. Uh, I want to know, is it very hard to shoot in New York? Is it hard to shoot in New York? Shoot, yeah. Is it hard? Yeah, is it hard to shoot in New York? Um, no, I mean, no, and on our, on our scale, it was, it was uh, you know, um, I think it's, it's uh, the New York is really um, encouraging of it, you, you know. You, you can apply for a permit, you don't have to pay for permits. In Los Angeles, you have to pay everywhere you shoot, but here you just need to really apply for a permit. You can, you can they're, they're really supportive of filmmaking here. We shot in the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, I, I, you know, I didn't even think it was possible, but it was just a matter of like going down to the office and getting it signed. And they're totally open with that. That's interesting. I didn't know you didn't have to pay for the permit. Is that true? I hope not. Now maybe I'm saying something wrong. Do you know someone, do you know someone in the office? Is I that... don't know. Forget I said that. Take that off of their webcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll excise that portion. Okay. More audience questions? Hi. Can you just talk a little bit more about casting? I, I'm just always interested in how actors get particular jobs or how the casting process works. And You mentioned that you knew each other, but like... Can you talk a little bit more about how you found Juno and stuff like that? Yeah, I had, I mean, I worked on the film for a long time and the cast changed as I was working on the project. And um, when I, I, uh, I cast, when, when I, I um, cast Juno, you know, you work with a casting director and they give you a list of people to look at and, and who they think would be appropriate for the part. Uh, Juno was the one that, to me, had uh, this look that was really intriguing. It looked like she's very worldly, but there's something really soft and sensitive to her face. And so I was really excited to meet her. And when I met her, I found that even more intriguing, that she has this really soft, innocent side to her um, that I thought she could help bring out in that character, Diane. And, uh, and I wanted Diane to, to become part of the actress who played her. So. So she's English, and so I changed my character to be English. And, um, and, and we just talked a lot about how she could, you know, how she related to Diane. And, um, and then Riley, uh, we met really late in the project. She was, there was another actress who I had been working with. She was probably on it for six years or so, Olivia. And um, she couldn't do the film in the last minute. So we had to find somebody new with, a, with like a month to go. And, um, and uh, yeah, and you looked nothing like the character. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, I really liked Riley's. Uh, you had to close. <laughs> I liked uh, Riley's uh, presence. Her eyes are really um, kind of fierce. Um, but she's kind of goofy at the same time. And uh, the this character is really strong um, and really pronounced. And I, I wanted to find an actress that could become that person. You sort of, Diane, I wanted to become more like the actress and I wanted the actress with Jack to become more like Jack, but I wanted her to bring something to it that was like unseen. And I think um, Riley's gave a lot to the character's soul of vulnerability that, that's not written in the script that really brings her to life. It's interesting that you said that the character wasn't originally written as English, that you, know, you cast Juno and that changed the part. But as I was watching the movie, I was sort of struck by you know, comparing this to 
your previous film, which apparently I'm incapable of not doing. Uh, that's another film about someone who's sort of coming to New York, you know, who's from, you know, originally from there, but is coming there, uh, and that and the character is home from college, essentially. Right. And in this case, it's a character coming from England. So I don't know, it's something interesting that's sort of like this idea of displacement or of coming to New York, coming somewhere and being sort of unsure and unsteady. I don't know if that was something that appealed to you as you were writing. If Maybe I'm just reading far too deeply into this. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it's probably just my point of view. I mean, I'm not from New York, but I think if you're not from New York, it always has an allure to you. I mean, I grew up in the South, and um, it's this sort of mecca. And, um, yeah, I mean, I vividly remember the first time I came to New York and uh, the impression of the city, and, you know, it's a magical place. Um, it's probably why, unconsciously, I, th I think of characters coming here. I mean, Jack is from New York, so... Mm -hmm. There was also a balance of the two. Right, right. Uh, did you have a question, sir? Yeah, what was the greatest obstacle that you had to overcome in order to get to this point where you are today? Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe just, like, keeping going. You know, the idea... I mean, because I worked on the film for so long, and it, it almost... You know, we, we had the money at one point. We were almost right about the shoot, like we were we were going to get a date either March or April, you know, on Monday. Okay, on Friday, everybody's all ready to go, and I'm, this was like four years ago. And then on Monday, we found out, like, oh, no, it's not going to happen, you know. Um, so, and then you had, we had to start over. Um, yeah, my, you know, if my wife was with me the whole time, and sort of like, just the idea of just continuing was maybe the hardest thing, you know. When, when, when you're getting ready to shoot, you're just excited. You know, the obstacles that happen when you're shooting are just, you're so lucky to be there, it's not really an obstacle, it's just you're just trying to bounce around those things. What about you, Riley? Was there an obstacle in getting to this point in your career? Anything that jumps out to your mind? In my career or in this film? <laughs> well, either. Um. I, I don't know. For this film, I think the biggest obstacle was um, doing or being who who Brad wanted Jack to be. I think, and I didn't not I wasn't thinking about it. At, you know, I just stopped thinking about it when we started filming. But initially, that was a big thing for me. I was worried about that, um, and then just doing what he wanted because he had such a specific. Uh, idea about what he wanted in the film so his were his directions very were your directions very specific i mean is that sometimes 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 not sometimes he would just let us do whatever we wanted and sometimes he would be very specific about things and give us very specific direction about things and uh is there something I that remember... jumps to your mind yeah what, what what's one specific <laughs> I direction I, I don't know if i'm allowed to tell you his directing secrets <laughs> You're directing, you're directing secrets. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell them to everybody. No one's listening right now. It's fine. <laughs> well, just like, don't sigh. Oh, don't sigh. Like, That's like, fine. You can, yeah, yeah, I know. Please tell sigh. us. We all when want to directing know. actors, well, tell them not to sigh. Yeah, though, so. he would tell everybody never to sigh. <laughs> don't sigh. Yeah, don't sigh. Um, ever. <laughs> Which is hard for me because I have like... 
I get shortness of breath, and so you know sometimes it like would end up looking like a sigh, but it wasn't a sigh. That was funny. <laughs> no sighing. Is that a, we would yeah. never see anyone sigh in your films? Hopefully not. Yeah, that's yeah. That's basically the only directing I do. Yeah. Why? Why are you so anti-sigh? Oh, and also oh. hand movements. Oh yeah, don't move your. Hands. I never did that. But don't I act. Saw with, him don't act with your hands. Yeah, he never said this. that to me, but I saw him say it to someone else, and I I remember that because it, it was funny. <laughs> right. Why so anti-sigh though? I really want to know. Well, I think um, both uh, my wife and I make films together, and she's maybe more anti-sci than me. Um, but she, um, I have to edit with her, and um, so if the actors are signed, then I get it from her a lot. You know, like why do you let them sign? You know, so um, I don't know. Nobody wants to listen. <sighs> nobody wants to listen to that. I guess you have a point. Uh, <laughs> more audience questions. We have two more questions. Two more questions? One. I'm um, not sure. What, oh, did go ahead. you stick to a script for most of this, or did you improvise a lot of the scenes? Um, we, stuck to this, we stuck to the script pretty much, and I don't think there was anything that was improvised. <laughs> was there? No. Yeah, it was pretty much a script, following the script. I mean, sometimes you change lines, uh, which, was, which was fine, but as long as the intention was the same. Okay, and right here? Um, question for Bradley. Uh, you mentioned that your inspiration for the film was from a real life, I guess, scenario you witnessed. What do you think attracted you so much to the storyline of the film? I'm sorry, what attracted me so much to what? The storyline. The like storyline. What, what, what attracted you to just to make a whole film about it and all the hard work that you put into it. Oh, I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I like love stories. I like the idea of, of, of these falling in love for the first time. I find it really interesting um, subject matter because I think you sort of wait your whole life. You know, when you're young, when you're a teenager, you've been waiting your whole life to fall in love. You hear about the Easter Bunny and, and different things like that, but you don't know if they exist, whereas like love is supposed to exist, but you've never really felt it. And I, and I think the time when you first fall in love is really important and impacts the rest of your life. So it's probably why I was interested in the subject matter. Guys, thank you so much. Thank Bradley, you. Bradley, Riley, thank everyone you. for coming. The film is Jack and Diane playing here at Tribeca. Thank you guys so much.